Well, I'm excited this morning. So I want to start with, what time is it? What time is it? Well, if we look at our clock, it'd be 9.35, right? We could look at our watch. We could look at our, our phone. And we just know that basically church sound starts around here around 9. What time is it? If you look into the, the definition of time, it says, and I love this, the indefinite continued progress of existence and events in the past, present, future, but regarded as whole. Time, the point measured in hours and minutes past midnight or noon. And so for many of us, as we think about time and what time is it, it would be the second definition that would ring. When, we th when you think about what time, we're thinking, okay, it's nine, still 9.35. From the last time I looked, it's 9.35. But Google gives a really great explanation, the indefinite continued progress of existence, which all of us are existing this morning, and the events of the past, which we lived yesterday, the present, which we're here now, and we're happy and excited and full of love and grace, and the future, everything will happen the rest of today and tomorrow this week in our lives, which is regarded as whole. Where do we spend most of our time? You know, this morning, all of us, when we think about, let's put time aside for a second, we think about money. Have you ever used that word budget before? That, that horrible, ugly word that a lot of people use and, and, and some people like it and some people just throw it out like it's trash. But people budget and try to budget money. But have you ever tried to budget your time? Have you ever sat down to budget your time? We have 24 hours in a day, 1,440 minutes which is the equivalent of 24 hours. We have 365 days every year, and we have 8,760 hours every single year that we get to live. And this year, it's almost over, right? 2023 is right around the corner. Things that we have in common that all of us budget our time with, sleep, work, eat, and fun. Now, if you think of those four things, all of us budget, hopefully. Now, I'm sure this morning, all of us budget time for sleep. And when we don't budget time for sleep, what happens? We get cranky, right? If we don't budget time for sleep, we can get cranky. We can get a little nasty. We also, unfortunately, which some people like, some people don't, we budget time for work. Sometimes bills got to get paid, lights got to stay on, right? So we got to make a little money now and then, right? And so some of us, we budget time for that. This one's really important. How many of us budget time to eat? And, and the funny thing with eating, it's similar to sleeping. Some of us, if we don't eat, we can get a little cranky and nasty too. We can get a little cranky and we can get downright wonderfully nasty. But one of the things that's really, really important it's budgeting time for fun as well. God created life to be full and full of life. And though we have to sleep, yes, we do. And yes, most of us do have to work. And we have to eat because if we don't eat, we're going to die. What do you spend your fun time on? What do you spend your fun times on? Kids, you know, parents spending time with kids actually is the, the amount of time is slightly up this year. The amount of hours being worked, slightly down this year. In France, Greece, Italy, and Spain, people spend more time eating. In France, Greece, Italy, and Spain, spend more time eating than most all other European countries. 
But the country who spends the least time eating is the United States. The average time spent eating for us, 63 minutes. Wow. Isn't that wonderful? Now we shift into a different thought. Top jobs for 2022. If you were to get and want a new job at a decent paying job, top jobs, jobs for 2022. Number one, information security analyst. Sounds like fun. Number two, nurse practitioner. Number three, physician assistant. Number four, medical health service manager. Number five, a software developer. Six, data scientist. Number seven, financial manager. Number eight, statistician. Number nine, lawyer. Number 10, speech and language pathologist. These are the top 10 jobs sought after this year. Top side jobs, this is where it's good, right? Top side jobs, best in the stock market. Uber, Lyft, driving, dropping off food, selling old junk online, flipping Amazon deals, real estate, writing books, delivery, delivery of groceries. The happiest jobs though, so not the most sought after, but the happiest jobs, teaching assistant was number one, early childhood teacher, number two, sound engineer, event planner, heavy equipment operator, contractor. The happiest, as Google says, these are the happiest jobs. Teaching assistant, early childhood teacher, sound engineer, event planner, heavy equipment operator, contractor. Now we shift to something different. Leading causes of death. Number one, heart disease. Number two, cancer. Number three, COVID. Number four, accidents, strokes, respiratory disease, Alzheimer's, diabetes, and ammonia. Now all of these things, from the definition of time, top jobs, happy jobs, leading cause of deaths, what do they all represent? So from time management, top jobs, happy jobs, leading cause of deaths, getting to church late. I read all of those, I read all of those to say, how many of us manage our time well? And how many people today are living their life budgeting just to make a buck? How many people today are budgeting life and, and spent not so much dwelling on time, but the fear of what time could be? How many of us budget and manage our time well? How many of us are budgeting and only living to make a buck? And how many of us are budgeting and living not so much for time itself, but what could be? If you have your Bibles, we're gonna go to Acts chapter nine. We're gonna start in verse one. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath, and he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters and addressed, does that look correct? There it is. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am. 
Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, you're going to be told what to do. The men with Saul stood speechless. They heard the sound of someone's voice, but they didn't see anybody. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus whose name was Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him in a vision of a man named Ananias coming in, laying hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. When the Lord said, go for my Saul, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, he sent me to you so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and he was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food. He regained his strength, and Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately, Saul began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked, And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? And so this morning as we, we listen and we read, we're going to talk about the story. We're going to paint a picture. We go back to our very first theme verse, which is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We live by believing. We live by faith. We walk by faith. It's what we trust in but don't yet see that keeps us going. And so this morning I want to talk about Paul who wrote that verse, our theme verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. He wrote it to the Corinthian church. I want to talk about Apostle Paul this morning. Apostle Paul was a special man. He was a Jew born in Tarshish, a city in Sicilia. He was brought up and educated in Jerusalem under Gamil. And as a student, he was carefully trained in Jewish laws and customs. He was very zealous. This man was zealous for the laws and religions in the Bible to honor God in everything everywhere all the time and we see that as we didn't read the story this morning but if you back up two chapters there was a man who was stoned stefan for being a follower of the way before we got the title christians that used to be followers of the way and so they didn't like the followers of the way they were crazy they started doing things the followers of the way that jesus did while he was here and so there was a lot of persecution Saul did not like the followers of the way. He wanted to kill them, and he wanted to arrest them. And so he had what we call a religious zeal. He didn't understand them. He didn't like them. And so he goes to the leading priest, and he says, listen, I want to go, and I want to get these guys, and I want to put them in jail. He goes on a six-day journey, 150 miles. But while he was on his way, turn your neighbor and say, while he was on his way, something happened. Something happened. God stopped him in his tracks. There's a lot of things that happen while we're on the way. How many of us know we spend our life, as we talk about budgeting our time, we get up in the morning. For those who have to go to school, go to work, 
for those of us who go play golf every day, whatever it is that we may do, there are so many things that happen when we're on the way. For this man, his life was completely changed, transformed upside down while he was on the way. When we're going somewhere, when we're going to have fun, when we're going to recreation, do some hobbies, go surfing at the beach, when we're going to go fishing, when we're going to go hiking, when we're just going to go sit in nature and look at the stars, whatever it is that we do, whatever it is we want to do, maybe some of us on the way to get into trouble or even on the way to church, so many things. I'm not saying that for your sake, Sam, okay? I'm not. I was looking at my dad. I wasn't looking at you, all right? You're just in that line right there, okay, Sam? So many things happen while we're on the way somewhere. But do we pay attention to the signs when we're on the way? I believe with all my heart that God can stop you from an accident. God can stop you from so many horrible choices and things in life if we pay attention to the signs while we're on the way. But how many of us know we're busy? You know, Kim and I, we were on the way just spent a little time together last night. And as soon as we're pulling out of our street, this car swerves into our lane. And then he quickly swerved back. And we look at him. And he's, what is he doing? He's sitting there on his phone. Man, if we weren't paying attention, we could easily got sideswiped by this guy. There are so many things that can happen if we don't pay attention. Time is precious. We know how to budget money, some of us. But do we budget our time? And are we paying attention to the signs and wonders that God is doing? So soon as Apostle Paul gets stopped, says that there is this great light. It appears, and it is so powerful, like this flash of light. It blinds him by the light. It reminds me of what Jesus said about himself. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. John 9, 5, while I'm here in the world, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. John eleven nine. 9, Jesus replied, there's 12 hours of daylight every day, and during the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have seen the light of the world. This light this revelation. And so for Apostle Paul, he has a revelation of Jesus Christ. And then he gets the privilege to hear the voice. And Saul's like, who in the heck are you? Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? What do you mean persecute Jesus? Was he persecuting Jesus? Eh, maybe not directly, but he was persecuting people of the what? Of the way. Jesus said, listen, if you persecute my sons, my daughters, my brothers, my sisters, it's like persecuting me, right? It's one of the greatest things about being a follower of the way or a Christian today is who has our back? God has our back. Do we have to go out and fight all of our own battles on our own? Or can we let God handle our enemies? Who can handle our enemies better, us or God? Now, we all can come up with mean, nasty, horrible things to say and do to people. But when God takes care of somebody, God who created the heavens and the earth, 
God who fashioned the stars, the sun, the moon, and the beautiful ocean and the waves that crash so perfectly that we can ride surfboards and boogie boards and body surf them. God who created the beautiful sand that we can walk through and it feels so wonderful and tingly in our feet. God who created the desert. God who created the beautiful country, the valleys, right? So many things. He didn't like that Paul, Saul, was persecuting people of the way, and so he stopped him in his tracks. Sometimes we get so caught up on what people do to us, we can just say, you know what? I'm wasting my time. This is a bad budget of time. People are bothering me right now. I need to let it go. God, I give you this situation. God, I give you this person. Zap him in the butt right now, right? No, we don't have to say that. But... Let's let God, instead of us being so consumed by people, let's let God handle some of our battles. Saul is sitting there, and he says to Jesus, what is going on? And Jesus says, listen, you're persecuting me. Because you're persecuting the followers of the way, Jesus had to stop him, and he had to do something different. He changed his direction. He changed every single thing in Saul's life with the light, with his voice, Everything changed in that moment. Saul found himself now blinded by the light. Saul found himself, everything in this moment was turned upside down. As Think about this. For, for this man, he was trained under the very best teacher, under the very best, most popular Pharisee. He had great schooling. He had great training. He was so, so wise, and he, had, he understood so many things. He memorized, and he understood rules, laws, regulations. He understood politics and everything that was going on in that time with Rome and with the Jewish people. But no matter how powerful he was, no matter how well off he was, did not matter because in that minute and in that moment, you know what he learned? Somebody else is in control. No matter how in control I feel, no matter how strong and powerful, how smart and wise I feel, you know what Saul realized in this moment? There is someone greater than me out there. Wow. Man, the God that I used to think about. Wow. Something's different now. He finds himself blinded. God blinds Saul in the story, but you know what? There's, we also can be blinded by somebody else. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this. Satan, who is a god of this world, blinds the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Matthew 15, 14 says, ignore them. Blind guides lead the blind. And if a blind person guides another, they're both going to fall in a ditch. So as we're, we're talking about the story, we're, we're bringing up what happens to Paul. Everyone else who was with him in that moment was speechless because no one had experienced anything like this in this moment. They hear this flash of light. They see the flash of light. Then they hear this voice speaking from heaven. And so everyone who was with him, they are all dumbfounded and speechless. Because not only for Saul, who becomes Paul, which is another story, not only was it for him, but everyone else there, they were a part of this massive interaction. Turn to your neighbor and say, this massive interaction where God was going after one person. God was going after one man. All that he did to speak, to reveal himself to one man, it still left everyone else speechless. Still left everyone in there speechless. Saul gets to a place on Straight Street, which we're going to get to Straight Street here in a minute. But he speaks first to a guy named Ananias. And he says to Ananias, I want you to go pray for somebody. 
okay, sounds good. Sign me up, God. I'll go do it. He goes, this guy named Saul. He goes, nope, nope not going to do it. Saul had a reputation. The word got around. This guy is mean. He arrests people. And it kind of sparks a memory to think, man, has God ever asked me to do something that potentially could bring me harm? Has God ever asked me to do something? Has God asked me to serve somewhere to give something? Has God ever asked me to do something that could just potentially do something? And so Ananias is thinking all these things, and he says to God all this stuff, and God says, don't worry. I have called this guy. Don't worry about it. You're going to be okay. You know, Straight Street in this town was a little, it was the literally named Straight Street, and then it ran from east to west. And there was a number of crooked streets. There just happened to be one straight street, right? Just like in life, there's a lot of crooked paths we all can take, or we can take the wrong, the one right straight path, right? But literally, there is a name Straight Street, and so this is where Ananias had to go. And as soon as Ananias gets there and starts talking with, immediately at once, his eyes are open, and Saul, oh my gosh, his eyes are open. It says he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he gets baptized, and then he eats, which he hasn't done for three days. He goes immediately, immediately, turn to your neighbor and say immediately. You know what he did immediately? He goes into the synagogue. What do you define as a synagogue back here in this day? A local meeting place, place of instruction, worship, reading of the law and prophets, place where the, the word is taught, place where there's prayer, praise, thanksgiving. It's a place to preach. Sounds like what? Church. As soon as he gets saved, what does he do? His eyes get open. Gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He gets baptized. And then he immediately starts preaching. He immediately starts going to work and saying, Jesus is the Son of God. And so this story points out seven things to us. Number one, pay attention. Turn to your neighbor and say, pay attention. Pay attention. Because for all of us, you know what? It's too easy to get distracted. For all of us, it's way too easy to get distracted. It's way too easy. It's easy not to watch. It's easy not to listen. God is revealing. God is speaking. I'll never forget in my life, I grew up, if you hear, know my story, I grew up in the church for the most part. And then when I was a teenager, I decided I needed to take a break from church. There was a number of experiences I had in church, which were good. There was times where I got baptized. I don't know how many times. And there was moments when I got baptized as a kid. I loved it. There was something that I felt in that moment. There was times when, you know, I was a young kid and I was listening to worship inside the church. And I can remember one minute making fun of God. The next minute, God, like, zapping me with that lightning. Like, <gasps> wow, there's something special about this moment. I can remember doing things with, you know, friends at church, and we, we did crazy stuff. But there was other times where God just totally showed that he was real to me. And even though I had so many experiences as a kid in church, when I was a teenager, I still decided, you know what, I need to go see what else is out there. And, and for four years of my life, I spent looking and searching and seeking for what else is there outside of church. And after four years... I was at a friend's house in Val Vista, and I'm sitting there, and I heard this voice say, is this really life? And I'm like, hmm, who's talking to me? The next day, I'm at my best, one of my best friend's house, and his mom, who's a believer, says, John, God has one question for you. And it was the word for word, the exact thing that I heard the day before. 
absolutely. And so I said, wow, God, you're actually talking to me? And that began the moment in the journey of me starting to really give my life to God and my king. And so as a kid, I grew up in church, and it was something that was forced to do because my dad forced me to go to church because he was a good dad. Like four or five times a week. It wasn't like once a week. It was four or five times a week back in that day. Sunday morning, Sunday night, you know, Wednesday worship practice, all those things, which I do appreciate now. But anyway, I had had a great experience as a kid. And there were some weird experiences at church, because how many of us know church people can be weird? Look at your neighbor and say, are you weird? We can be weird sometimes, too. So there were some weird experiences. And sometimes with weird experiences, you have to be careful because you can let the devil in with those weird experiences, what weird people do at church, and cause you to get angry and bitter. Or you can take the other turn to say, you know what? We're all imperfect, we're all humans, we all make mistakes. So yes, I may be sitting next to a weirdo, unless it's your spouse. If it's your spouse, then don't say you're a weirdo, okay? We don't get anybody in trouble this morning. <laughs> so there's good things that happen here, but there are weird things that happen, because how many of us know? We say weird and do weird things sometimes. But don't throw everything out that happens in the church because we're all imperfect people on the way somewhere. We're all on the way to heaven, right? Hopefully, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, hopefully. Whew. Hopefully you are. Hopefully you're going to make it there. We're praying for that. So that's number one. Pay attention. Because you know what? If God can save you from trouble, why not listen? If God can save you from an accident, why not listen? If God can save you from making a choice that's going to destroy your life and people's lives around you, why not pay attention, right? How many of us have ever done something wrong and it's like, we're, you know what, I can handle it. You know, I'm going to take care of it. I'll be responsible. But you know what happens sometimes when we make the wrong choice? Okay, we can maybe correct some of the things that we do wrong, but you know what we can't correct? The people we hurt in the process. You can't correct the people you hurt in the process. So though we might have that personality and say, I will make it right, you can't make everything right. After you hurt someone, you can't make it all right. You can't. You cannot, no matter what you do. Only God can heal a heart. No matter what we do, we can't correct every single thing. Only God can. So that's why, let's pay attention. Life is short. No matter how many days we have here, let's pay attention and do the right thing. Number two, big or little jobs for God, they all matter. In this story, we see a man named Ananias, and he's not mentioned that many times in the Bible. But you know what he's mentioned? He's mentioned going and praying for a guy who Apostle Paul, he used to be Saul, now he's called Paul because he got a name change. Apostle Paul started tons of churches Apostle Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Apostle Paul did great things. And so does we talk more about Apostle Paul or Ananias? Sometimes Apostle Paul. But Ananias was the guy who went and prayed for Saul, who was there when his eyes were open, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, 
when he fed him food, helped him get baptized, Ananias had just as important job as Saul did. And sometimes in the kingdom of God, we lose sight of the little things. Everything that we do that is good and for him, it's important. As soon as we go outside, every smile, every hug, every handshake, every little thing that we do, when we tell somebody, I'm praying for you, and when we actually do it, that little thing, it's important. When God tells you and puts something on your heart to do, and maybe it's not, you know, taking a million dollars out of the bank and go giving it to somebody, maybe it's just to buy lunch at Del Taco, just kidding, it's fast food, it's bad for you, but maybe it's buying food somewhere else, Los Vaqueros, a little bit better, right? Maybe something little that God puts on your heart to do can change one's life forever. We have to pay attention to what God's saying to us, what he wants us to do, the little and the big things. Because all of us in here, we all have purpose. We all were created for a reason. You're not here. None of us here are by mistake this morning. Now, we may feel that it's a mistake. We may feel that I just rolled out of bed. I just made it. I'm just here. But you know what? God knew for the beginning of the world that you would be here on November 27th, 2022. He knew that you would be here. And he knew that you would be here understanding I have big and little jobs to do in this life. And the little ones, the little things I do to help people are just as important as the big ones. Ananias did one thing, prayed for one guy. This one guy went on to do tons of awesome things. But Ananias was just as important as Saul. You were just as important every single thing that you do every single day, every waking moment as you budget your time. Your life means something and it's important. Every little thing that you do for God, for people, it is important. Ananias was told to go to Straight Street and I love it just to remember and to remind ourselves there are so many different paths that we can take every single day. There was one Straight Street and there was tons of crooked ones back then in the day. Literally, that's what their names were. Make sure you make the right choice. Because every day you have that straight path or crooked path that you can choose. Saul was baptized. Soon as he gets, soon as his eyes get open, what does he do? He gets baptized. You know what baptism is? It's a sign of change. How many of us have been baptized before? As a kid, I told you I was baptized a number of times. It's fun just to be dunked and go underwater and play in the pool, right? No. But baptism, this sign of change. When you get baptized, you go under the water and you're saying, I'm going under the water and, and the life that I used to live and who I used to live for, it's going to stay under the water. And then when I come back out of the water, I'm going to be a new person and I'm going to do what God's put me here to do. Saul gets baptized. Saul gets a new name. He goes from Saul to Paul. Didn't want to make it too difficult. Just change two letters, S and P, from Saul to Paul. But this symbolism of a new man and a new start as Paul goes on to write, when you become born again, you become a new creation. You become a new person. You get a new beginning. You get a fresh start. Number five, no one is beyond the power of God. Here was a man we see he had hate, he had zeal, he had passion for what? To rest Christians. Who was the one that God went after? This man. How many of us seen people, know people, and say, ah, I don't know if they'll ever really become a believer. I don't, know if I don't know if they ever could change. Their heart's too hard. They're way too crazy. Their brain, it's crazy. Their thoughts, man, they're out there. They're past Jupiter. They're past all those stars and, and planets out there. Nothing and no one is beyond the power of God. 
God can stop any one of us in our tracks. If God really needs to get your attention, if you sometimes oppose him, if you sometimes want to ignore what he's asking you to do, be careful. Be careful. What did he do to Jonah? He asked Jonah to go to preach to Nineveh, and Nineveh was full of evil people, right? Nineveh, Nineveh this horrible place. And God comes to Jonah and says, listen, I want you to go preach to these people. And Jonah says, no, thank you. He gets on a boat, and you know what he does? He goes in the opposite direction. Kind of like us when we're a little rebellious. When God tells us to do something, what do we like to do? Go in the opposite direction, right? Jonah gets on a boat. As soon as he gets on the boat, you know what happened? The storms come, winds come. People are going crazy. They're throwing their food overboard, the cargo overboard. Jonah's downstairs sleeping, and they say to him, what is going on? And so Jonah admits to them, you know what? God's trying to get my attention. He says, throw me overboard. They throw him overboard. A giant fish, we don't know how big it was, comes, swallows Jonah up, where he sits for three days. The length that God went through to get this man's attention. And I wonder this morning, how many of us is God trying to get our attention? Now, we may not be rebellious. We may not be bitter. We may not be angry. Maybe we're just ignoring God in a certain area of our life, an area we don't want to give up, an area where we don't want to change. This morning, I want to encourage you, God, there is nothing that is impossible for him. Be careful if you're ignoring him anywhere. And so this morning, as we start to wrap up, I want to read something about Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. He says this, anyone's servants of Christ... He says, I know I sound like a madman. I have served him far more. I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I faced death again and again five times. Turn your neighbor and say five times. The Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. And I don't know if you're familiar with the 39 lashes. You know, there was this, this whip that had a metal piece on the end. This is what they did to Jesus before he had to carry his cross. Most people died when you went through this one time. Apostle Paul, who used to be called Saul, five times. This guy was bad to the bone. Shipwrecked, whipped. He was beaten with rods. They took rocks and threw it at him to try and kill him. Three times he was shipwrecked. He spent a whole day in the sea. No boat, nothing. He faced danger, rivers, robbers. He faced danger from his own people, the Jews, Gentiles. He faced danger in cities, deserts, on the seas. He faced danger from men who claimed to be believers, but they really weren't. He says, I've worked, verse 27, hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry, thirsty, gone without food. I've shivered in the cold with nothing to keep me warm. This was the man who penned that verse that we started our theme with is, man, I walk by faith, not by what I see. I live by faith, not by what I see. At the beginning of his life, it started really well for, for Saul. Best schools in town. He went to the very best. At a young life, he was trained from the very best teacher you could get and pay for, the absolute best. He had the best training. And he spent years being trained by the best of the best. For Paul, he grew up, Saul. He grew up and he became just exactly like his teacher. Strong, 
wise, powerful, all of those things. Understanding the first few books of the Bible. Understanding the rules and regulation. God gave the Jewish people ten commandments. And you know what they did? They turned it into hundreds of laws. The Jewish people, they took ten commandments and they made hundreds of laws. And they became so zealous and so passionate. we got to follow all the rules. And so he was passionate about this. He was zealous about this. That he started arresting Christians. And in that moment, what happened? God stopped him in his tracks. And you know what he said after he met Jesus? He goes, everything I did in my life up to this point, I counted as trash. Because now I know Jesus. Jesus changed everything for me. So much so, he's willing to be weeped, uh, whipped, <laughs> beaten, shipwrecked. He was willing to work, make tents for a living so that he can preach the gospel, travel. The faith that he had in Jesus Christ, it changed everything for Paul. And so we know when he said, I walk by faith, not by what I see. Not by what I see. It was something that was very real to him. Paul, when he was on the road, Paul, when he was on the way, he's walking. He's hanging out with his people. As Paul was walking along, what happened to Paul? Things got dark. As Paul was on his way to rest people, everything became dark for a minute. You know, in this minute and in this moment, in these past few years, I know there's moments where God, maybe not the exact same thing, and maybe not the exact same way, there's something God's trying to get your attention in. He shook the life of, of this man. Why? So that he could see. There was things in his life that were dark, even though he thought they were light. When you look at light and darkness in the Bible, you know what it is? It's revelation and ignorance. It's revelation and ignorance. What is Jesus Christ? He's the revelation of God our Father in heaven. I'm the light of the world. I am the revelation of the message and the love of God who created you and he loves you. And I wonder this morning, how many of us are sitting in the moment of ignorance instead of revelation? Because I, I know for even for me, no matter who I am, no matter my age, there's probably at least one thing that God's trying to get my attention in. What's he trying to get your attention in? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, I live, I walk, and I need to trust in who I don't see. Not in my stuff, not in my jobs, not in my past, because my past was full of good experiences. Saul had a tipping point, a place where everything in his life changed. And in our life, in our thought life, in our psychological mental state, in our feelings and our emotions, everything that's happened the past five years is there one thing that God's saying, turn the light on? Turn the light on. Paul wrote 13 books. He goes on to the end of his life, and he gave his life ultimately, killed for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. What was he willing to do because how much did he really believe? We know that when he said, 
I live by this. Man, I walk by it. It changed everything. Everything in my past means nothing to me now. The only thing that means something to me is God. That was faith. And I wonder, how will our story end? How will your story end? Will it end in ignorance? Or will it end with the revelation of how great, awesome, and amazing God is? The plan, the purpose that he has for me that I'm willing to do anything for this morning.